welcome to the Misophonia Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 12. My name's Adil Mott, and I have Misophonia. This week, I'm talking to Maisie, an art history student who took a few years off before starting college, in no small part due to Misophonia. We talk about healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms, interesting sleeping arrangements, and other ways to live with a partner. Maisie is a big fan of the podcast and says it has really helped to listen to all the past guests. So thank you again for to everyone who's come on. Still have lots of recorded interviews that I'll be rolling out over the next few months. And then I'll start recording season three in the fall. So stay tuned for interview slots. This week, I want to give a MISO list shout out to Chloe Worthington's Society6 face masks and more. Chloe is actually the genius behind the Misophonia Memes Instagram account that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. She's created a line of face masks for COVID life and are available at her Society6 page. Link in the show notes or at misolist.com. Remember, if you're uh, at a business owned that's, um, that's owned by Misophone or employs Misophones, please let me know. You can go to misolist.com, M-I-S-O-L-I-S-T.com, and click the add button. And this is a great way for us to all support each other. All right, here's my conversation with Maisie. Maisie, welcome welcome to the podcast. Good to have you here. Hi. Yes, thank you. So, um, yeah, as a listener, you know that uh, I like to find out kind of uh, where folks are located. Well, we're currently right now I'm in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I moved here about a year ago to transfer to Winthrop University. Gotcha. Cool. And you're, um, you're a student there? I am. I'm studying art history. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. So, um and I'll post in the in the show notes uh, a couple of your Instagram accounts, if that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's totally of, fine. A lot of great art done by Misophones, so I'm sure people would love to see it. Um, yeah. So okay, so you're 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 uh, you're at the university there. Um, I guess maybe what what's it like? Um, um, you know, being a student. I've talked to a bunch of students. Um, how how is it at your school? Yeah. Yes. Well, so that was the thing. I'm kind of a late start getting to college because I took a bunch of years off of high uh, after high school. So getting back into college was very much stressful, like going to classes, being around a lot of people. And that's kind of when the misophonia started to really get heightened and I had to address it for sure. Gotcha. So it's the, uh, the usual eating and various sounds enclosed in a tiny room. Oh, absolutely. Like those big lecture halls. That's where it really got me. It was actually in a psychology class that I finally broke and uh, had to go to my professor and say, look, like, I know you allow eating in here, but I can't do it. I can't come to class. And And what did they say? She, she, she sympathized with me and she said, I know I get it. I have a friend who has it. I think that's the first time I'd ever talked to somebody who, yeah, wasn't like a friend or a family member that kind of sympathized with me. And she recommended going to the counseling services through the school because it was free. And uh, I finally started going to therapy and talking about it. Gotcha. Okay. And then did that teacher kind of um, make any accommodations, like let you? She definitely was like, you know, I mean, the class size was, I don't know, 40 to 50 people. So she's like, you know, I can't really make that 
you know, tell everyone to not bring in food or anything mm. like that. But if you need to leave, like, just give me the look and head out and I'm, I'm not going to be. <laughs> we, know the, we know how to do the look. So, yeah, exactly. So I definitely had that that freedom and relief of, OK, I can leave and not feel, you know, too awful about it. Like have to come back and explain myself. And that sometimes I think I feel like helps just knowing that you have that thing to lean on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Helped you get through it by time boxing and whatnot. Okay, yeah. so um, you, you you did say in uh, kind of in email that uh, it's it's been kind of twenty years in the making. Do you want to kind of maybe take us back to the early days of your um, of your misophonia? Yeah, and I think it's it's pretty familiar for everybody who has misophonia. It um, tends to start pretty early in life. So I have memories of being like six or seven and being really triggered at the dinner table i have an older brother who would drive me nuts on purpose um, or so just kind of <laughs> no that's just him he still kind of is that yeah. way <laughs> so the the closer um you are yeah the closer not is in like distance closer as in like emotionally connected mm. i think uh, even to this day like my my mom is like my best friend i love her so much but she is my biggest trigger like i cannot even you know, be in a kitchen with her with the anticipation of maybe her eating something or drinking something. And does she realize that and kind of... Yes, she is probably my biggest supporter other than my partner that I live with right now. She totally gets it. Um, there's been definitely a lot of times where it's like, okay, I'm going to have my chips now. And I'll <laughs> be like, all right, going to go do something else. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then was she, was she your first trigger back in the day or was that, was that your brother? I would say my brother for yeah. sure. Okay. What about your yeah. dad? Yeah. I hear a lot about dads. So. Uh, my dad for sure. Yeah. Um, that, and that's the thing is like, I think my parents didn't really become a trigger for me until maybe my teen years mm -hmm. when I started to really notice and um, never been a fan of the dinner table at all. Yeah. Overrated. <laughs> Still do not like it at all. <laughs> do not like the idea of it. So what do you do in that situation? Uh, well, how, how's uh, your... So, yeah, so throughout the last couple of years, since I started therapy um, at my school, uh, I've been a little bit more open about it. Like, hey, you know, it's Thanksgiving. You know that I got this thing. Um, I'm probably just going to be in the kitchen or just wandering around. Like I might sit down for a little bit and kind of mm -hmm. grit my teeth, but for the most part, I'm pretty much allowed to kind of, we're a little non-traditional family anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's totally understandable. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I hear people do that. Like, uh, sit down for a little bit, move around, maybe help with dishes or spend a lot of time Absolutely. in the bathroom. I'm that person. Yeah. Kind of finishing up and be like, all right, can I get your plate? Can I go, you know? clean up yeah okay so um all right so yeah growing up you had that you know the, the family experience um how did that um you know did it start with a, uh, a just kind of family did it did it start to affect uh elementary school high school you know looking back on it now i do think um i was affected i just had no idea what it was it seemed to be like I had a really, really hard time with school all throughout my life. Like I, you know, going to elementary school, being dropped off, I would just be crying. Oh. But we didn't really know, you know, why am I so upset? Why am I so like have so much anxiety about going to this place? Um, so I don't think I really realized that until after 
I graduated high school and found the word misophonia and kind of connected with it and was able to look back retrospectively and did you remember kind of make those connections yeah did you spe- remember any specific memories that led you to that I don't remember any specific memories but even to this day when I think about a cafeteria I cringe <laughs> gotcha yeah so there's some Pavlovian I, thing that's oh, built yeah. up I'm sure there was there was a lot of it I just mentally like could not make the connection do you think that um, was part of the decision to kind of like take some gap years after high school? Absolutely, because um, I even actually technically dropped out of high school, I think middle of my junior year, but they had just started doing online school. So I actually got my diploma online from mm. an e-academy. Um, but yeah, I had really, really intense anxiety. And by the time I got to high school, I just couldn't deal with it. I would go to, I would go into class and have panic attacks and, I think a lot of that was just built up misophonia plus other things like just depression and anxiety and all of that. Were you seeing therapists for some of that stuff? Um, I had not seen a therapist until I started college. That was my first time. And that was just like recent college, like your... Recently. I mean, I think about a year and a half ago, I started therapy. um, But I would say it's still there, 100%. I still recognize it. Gotcha. So you you said after high school is when you learned that it had a name. How did that? How did you? How did you find out what it was? Yeah. So um, when I graduated high school, I was like nineteen, I decided to move in with my boyfriend at the time. Uh, we were together. We lived together for about a year, and I remember that's when like triggers all the time. And he was actually in school, so you know he had to stay up late, you know, work on the computer. And I just remember all the sounds and eating was very difficult and there was no name for it. There was no way to really express it to the point where he had under, he would understand it. So we got frustrated with each other a lot and ended up breaking up. And I think about a couple months after that, he sent me an article with that name, Misophonia, and he was like, this is you. And I remember reading it thinking like, wow, okay. But also it was so early on, like it's, like people still don't know what it is that you know it took a while to really really connect with it and and accept that like okay this is something legitimate was it a bit of a kind of relief when you got that absolutely a relief in a way of like whenever I would have bad days specifically with like a lot of triggers and feeling like really isolated I could you know go online and maybe search about it read about it and kind of be cathartic in that way yeah okay so you um start to uh kind of uh read read about it to kind of uh try to help treat it yeah so what did you start to do next uh to kind of get over it so um after you learn more about it did you learn about coping mechanisms and stuff and start to implement things yeah, and I think I'm still, you know, to this day struggling to to um, really kind of get away from self-medication and try to do some other coping mechanisms. Um, as far as I have really had success with is just kind of being open with my partner, um, who is very understanding. Like, just even before on this call, he comes up to me and says, you know, I'm about to go brush my teeth. Like, thank you, put in my headphones. Like, <laughs> just kind of like, you know, being open about it. Um, trying not to let it build up. Um, I do have 
parts of my life where I've gotten addicted to earbuds for sure. Um, earplugs. I try to do those kinds of things. Yeah. So that, um, I mean, uh, um, um, derail a little bit based on that, but that, that, that is one thing that, uh, you know, I, I will search for, I'll be on the verge of buying like AirPods every once in a while. And then I'll be like, damn, if I can't see myself taking these out and how that would be terrible. Um, Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it just ha- being able, I have lots of earbuds, but I think mm-hmm. uh, I'll get as far as just kind of having them within arm's reach. But, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but the idea of just kind of keeping them in my ear, which what is what some of these things are designed to do, just seems, um, seems like too much of a, an addiction. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. And I do like, I fantasize sometimes. I'm like, oh, I just wish there was some kind of like yeah. ear, like hidden earbug or earbud that I could put in my um, ear and just tap it and then it'll be silence and then like untap it. So it's just like unnoticeable, but you know, helpful. Yeah. So, okay. So you, um, we were talking about, um, yeah, you put your headphones on, um, when, (laughs) when you're, when your partner was brushing his teeth. Um, and so you, so earbuds, okay. So earbuds have been one way that you've, um, You've kind of uh, been hooked on them in the past. Yeah, any, yeah. anything else that you've uh, that you've self-medicated with? Um, so I will say when I wrote that first original email to you, I did want to kind of put a warning of like, you know, recognizing that a lot of my coping mechanisms are super unhealthy. Um, definitely in my teen years when it started to really get heightened, Um, Because I was just around so many people and going to school and my family. And um, I really turned to drinking a lot, especially like during dinner. Um, Even to this day, like after turning 21, like if I go to a restaurant, I'm going to get a drink because it does like soften that blow. And so that's something I've always really turned to. And even Thanksgiving, you know, I've been, you know, discussing it with my family of like how to kind of get around it but i know in the past like i'll just get there and i'll start having some wine and like it'll just you know by the time it's dinner time i'm kind of like all right i'm ready to pass out yeah is there a point where it gets um it definitely takes the edge off is there a point where it kind of um it takes you into maybe a more ranty kind of uh, edgy kind of uh mode or is does it just kind of go to passing out and then you're kind of done (laughs) done for the night I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's just Cause there's some, uh, some alcohol is like, you know, whiskey that can turn people into very kind of ranty it, fighting or know. angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know what you mean. Um, I would say it's, it's just, I exhaust myself. Is it what I think mm, I do with mm-hmm. it? Um, because it's, it's the anticipation, it's the actual event. And then it's on top of that, I'm self-medicating and just really trying to wear myself out. feels like jumpy, jittery anxiety. Um, so I think alcohol has definitely become a friend in that. Yeah. So you said you started using it in, in, um, you know, before, before college, so obviously before you knew what misophonia was. So you were yes. just kind yes. of generally using it for, you know, the things you were feeling, I guess. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Whatever oh, yeah. it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so, um, and so how did, did that evolve over time, like more or less, or have you learned, mm-hmm. has, is it still, uh, you know, it's still, I don't know, it can get, you know, alcohol can obviously get and get into destructive uh, ways, but has it, yeah. uh, is it still kind of helpful? Yeah. Uh, how do you, what's your relationship with it, with it now? 
Um, I think it's, I wouldn't say it's a better relationship, but it's a more aware relationship, Mm -hmm. which I guess in some aspects that is, that's good. The first thing is to kind of like admit it and take it head on. And it's something I'm still talking about in therapy. And there's some days where I'm just like, I don't want to talk about this. And some days where I like, we need to address this. Um, and that's how it kind of feels with the misophonia too, is like some days are good. Some days I feel like, oh, it's not that bad. Like this nobody wants to hear me gripe about this and then other days i'm like no this is real um i've got to kind of tackle it so it really just depends on my energy levels if i'm having a bad day yeah i'm probably going to drink a lot um if i'm having a good day i feel like yeah okay i don't need anything and have you noticed i can distract myself yeah have you noticed any patterns on those uh good bad misophonia days like uh you know we don't stress is one one of the probably the number one um uh, factor yeah I, yeah I think uh I think a lot of it it has to do with um being out of control for sure so anytime there's like I have to be somewhere like either in a classroom or at a family gathering um it starts to get a little more heightened that that sense of how can I escape if I need to because like misophonia is like the fight or flight thing and for so long like I had been fighting it but I think I've gotten more into just trying to run away from it um I know in therapy there's been a lot of suggestions of you know uh learning how to relax your muscles or you know talk about my therapist like eating chips and trying to do that kind of thing like try to get me to a heightened really heightened place and then bring me back down but to me that just sounds like a nightmare Exposure like therapy, sometimes yeah. <laughs> yes yes oh. yes it sounds like such a nightmare um so i just try to take it take it um really the best advice i can give is like take it moment by moment you don't anticipate too much but if you do anticipate just start thinking about the ways like you can maybe get around it or or deal with it I know everybody's different, so, you know, you got to find your own thing. Yeah, there's been a couple of times when I've just kind of tried to tell my brain silently that uh, mm-hmm. whatever's happening is not meant mm-hmm. to hurt you, No, you know? Yeah. It's, and then mm-hmm. it actually has, if you can just go inside yourself and think that, I think, I mean, yeah, I need to do that more because I usually don't remember to do that, but that there might be something mm-hmm. there. Okay, so yeah, other than the alcohol, any other, yeah, any anything else that your maybe your therapist has kind of uh, pointed you pointed you towards. So I will say this is pretty crazy because um, so for so long I, of course, aware of therapy, but never felt like I needed it or felt justified to be there. I I suppose. Oh, okay. And even, it even with everything that, you were going through. Um, yeah, like, huh. I mean, it just had become so normal that I was like, man, if I go to therapy, they're not going to understand. They're going to try to do something else. I don't know what they're going to do with me. But finally, when that one professor said, hey, you know, go, go talk to them. Um, it was amazing because the therapist I had, and I love him so much. I miss him. He was at my old school. He was like, you know, I was reading your notes before coming in and you said misophonia. And he goes, it's really strange because I have misophonia. Mm. So this whole new world kind of opened up for me and um, just became super elated that like, oh, my God, 
I just met somebody, an adult, like who has it too, and also is now my therapist. And that really, really helped me. Um, he just knew what to say. We would just kind of talk about it in a casual way, which felt very, very good. Um, Interesting. I think okay. those are the yeah. those are the best moments in therapy is when you're just um, you're justified in being there. You're you know, I forget the word I'm trying to think. <laughs> Feel validated or um, validation? Yeah. Yes, validation. That's it. Feeling validated and and that this is something that affects your life daily in a negative way. And I have to kind of remember that. And those are the best times in therapy, I think, is when I when I get that validation of, yeah, you know, you you belong here. You know, you you have legitimate issues. Gotcha. OK. And uh, and speaking of the um, I guess, uh, you know, the, the triggers that you have, we won't go into the details. I'm curious. Um, oh, so many. So I can li- sometimes I list them. <laughs> yeah. Could you, what was kind of yeah. the basic categories? Let's 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 keep it kind of general yeah. there. Yeah. And that's something I've done in therapy, too. It's like, hey, let's just like list them. Um, of course, we've got the eating. Um, those all those range of sounds. Brushing teeth is a big one. That's a daily one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I won't let my mom wear flip flops. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Clipping nails, yes. tapping on the keyboard, like especially the older keyboards. Those are really clunky. Um, and what about visual triggers? That's something that you know you hear about a lot. Visual. Yeah. With my mom, it's really big visual triggers. Like I can't stand when she uh, puts on lipstick or drinks through a straw. I don't, I don't even know if she knows that if I've ever told her, but those definitely, I think, uh, with my mom. Did you notice that early on too, the visuals or was that something that kind of. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think that happened around the same time that I just started to get triggered by her eating in a room with me. Gotcha. And it seems so strange. I don't know if I said that, but it seems like the closer I become with someone, like emotionally, um, the worse it gets. It's so ironic Especially, because it's... Uh, I know, it's, yeah. The more you love someone, it's like the, the more you can't stand to see them like do daily things that they have to do. So, I'm, I mean, yeah, that's really interesting. The other, one thing I want to dive into, though, is uh, it seems like you, the, those people that you've told, maybe maybe it's a function of that, but they've it turns out they're pretty supportive. I'm curious mm-hmm. how that kind of conversation went early on. Like, how did you tell them whether it's mm-hmm. your partner or your, or your mom and what their reaction was? Yeah. And I will, I'll start off by saying that, yes, they are supportive, but in reality, like it can be pretty bad. Like feelings get hurt, you know, fights can start, yeah. but I think the, I can't remember having a conversation with my mom. Uh, I think she just noticed, I think just her being around, like, obviously I'm super uncomfortable. And that just became a routine with us. Maybe my mid teen years, like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, eat around her. She even has jokingly said, which is like kind of (laughs) dark, but like you gave me an eating disorder and yeah, we can make jokes and laugh about it, which does help. But there's some days where I think about that and I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm, I'm, I'm impeding on their lives now. Yeah. Like I'm making, I'm making them feel bad. So I think that, that, that comes with um, opening it up to people about it 
And yes, they understand. And of course they want to, you know, work with me on it, but also like the reality of is it that we are just, you know, all humans and we get our feelings hurt about it. And, you know, they see my face and there's like this level of disgust that's being registered by them. And, and they hate to be the source of that. Even though I tried to explain like, you're not the source, it's the misophonia. I mean, it's not you, it's not me, it's the misophonia. And now that I have that word, I think it's easier to talk about it and kind of have that conversation, but it's still rough. Like you don't want to ever make anybody feel like that they're the, you know, bad one or they're the problem. Right. And what about, um, what about strangers like uh, going on in daily life? Like people you meet at school or, or outside mm-hmm. at, you know, um, do you, do you talk, do you tell people about it and, and, um, or, or how no, you do that? You just run. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't. Um, uh, especially like thinking now when I'm around those people, it, it's, it's at school, it's in classes. There has not been one case where I've, I've told, another classmate uh there's been a couple times where i've had to walk out of classroom or just walk away from people which tends to be okay and and like i said it seems to get kind of more intense the closer i am with someone so some of these strangers that i don't really know or see very often i can kind of deal with um what about friends like you know who are not loved ones per se but Mm -hmm. I do have a memory of you know being in high school and I had a friend over and we were best friends and sitting on the couch at the end of the night we're watching tv and I just remember her just munching on the bag of chips and having that rage and but but also feeling like I can't say anything to this person Mm. like they're not doing anything um so I think for a long time I was probably just seemed kind of standoffish I think a lot um, probably made it a little hard to make friends or get closer to people. Have you, um, what kind of jobs have you had? Have you, um, <laughs> let's, let's go there. And this is also one of the most ironic things that I also have gotten from my therapist is like, why do you work in restaurants? Why oh, are you, yeah. I've been a server for so long and worked in customer service and, um, I think there's something to be said about having that white noise or that kind of background noise. Like when you're in your restaurant, there's lots of people talking, there's things going on, um, music playing. There have been times like with coworkers or a table where I just had to walk away. But for the most part, no, I'm, I stay pretty busy. I stay pretty focused and it doesn't seem to bother me there. Yeah, I guess you're moving around a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. of course, you mm-hmm. can uh, immediately bring the check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Move yep. along. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, there's obviously we don't have to get into all the possible sounds that ha- that happen in an environment like mm-hmm. that. And um, you know, after I mean, so uh, you're you're doing art history, you're studying art history in in, uh, mm-hmm. in in school. Have you thought about like um, where you want this to go? Like, what kind of job you want in the future that might be amenable to this? You know, I'm still not really sure. I'm just, I just really love studying this subject. Um, I found my confidence in school has has really gone up over the past, you know, few semesters. And and I'm writing a lot, I'm researching a lot, and I could maybe see a career in that. And that's very much like I could do that from home or do that in a quiet office. Um, I mean, I do love working with people too. And I, I think like I can, I can pursue pretty much any career that I really want to. Um, 
it's just those little in-between things where someone's like, hey, you want to have lunch today? Or you're in a meeting with people and somebody's brought their breakfast in. It's it's those things that I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with. Yeah, I've told people you cannot eat during like, uh, you know, Zoom yeah, calls. or yeah. um, And that's something that you know, a lot of I think is one, one of those things that's relatively can be norm- normalized across oh, yeah. all human all, all humans. Yeah. So that's that's should be doable but it, it yeah it often does take somebody speaking up about that yeah I, i've already thought like because everyone's on the zoom call now that um if that were to happen i would just be like hey can you mute your mic and that seems very like yeah for what I, you know you, sometimes people just need to mute their mic maybe there's some feedback i don't really have to go in to explain why i think that's the hardest part is like you you anticipate people being like well why why yeah. You know, why are you so upset? Why do, why can I do what I want to do? You know, yeah. the freedom of, of eating or whatever. Right. It, it can be a little painful when they unmute in, in mid, mid true, but we won't get into that. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, so uh, other than your, your therapist, have you met other people with misophonia? Nope, I have not. I think you're probably like the second one. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. I've, I've heard a yeah. bunch of interviews of interviewees have said that that uh, this is kind yeah. of their first or second time. Yeah, and also I kind of consider like I've listened to so many of your episodes and and I'm really impressed by the wide variety of people that you have been able to talk with and um, I kind of consider all those people I've now you know semi you know vicariously met that have misophonia. Do you think uh, I feel a bigger group? I feel a little more like, okay, I could, I could start maybe a club at school, maybe put up some posters and say, hey, do you have misophonia? This is what it is. And maybe kind of meet more people in real life. So by the time uh, by the time this airs, I will have aired actually the um, an interview I did with um, the um, the founder of the US, UCLA Misophonia Support Group. Um, mm-hmm. You should take a look. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, what the, the group there, but uh, there's a, there's a group there that I think is kind of the the first one in the country where some students just got together and started a <gasps> misophonia group. Um, nice. They've got an Instagram. Um, I think I'm uh, where we follow them on Instagram. But yeah, and, and you, um, um, you should reach you should reach out. Uh, I, maybe I can connect you guys and kind of get some tips because I've been trying to like see that happen try to try to get that to happen across the country yeah. and the world no that'd be wonderful i'm i'm very and if you start that started, please let me know uh i'll i'll you know oh, promote absolutely. it as much as possible because i think yeah because i think um yeah getting getting that getting that community going in college will i think help people and when they get out to the workforce and just generally so yeah and there's still just so much like and I'm so, so happy. I'm like three hours from Duke University and they've been on my radar for a couple of years of doing a lot of research. Um, and I'm just super, yes, super happy. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that, that, that is becoming more of a conversation. And I think the biggest thing that I'd want to do in a group or is just kind of like, let's talk about it. I think that's been the biggest thing for me is like, I'm not really, you know, of course, I'm always open to, do you have any coping mechanisms, you know, what, what works for you? But I think also just talking about it, just feeling like a, a real person, you know, feeling connected uh, really, really helps. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I That's why I kind of like try to get these to be pretty casual in the free form. Yeah. Having yeah. been to a couple of the conventions, like uh, 
where it's a couple days, there's a couple, there's a bunch of talks, but uh, I start going less and less to the talks and more and more into the, the lobby <laughs> conversations. And that's kind of yeah. where the real power is, I think. You know, yeah, just, just talking definitely. About it. Um, because when, when you read about it online, it's just kind of these very, uh, you know, cliche articles cl- with clickbait pictures and kind mm-hmm. of a, you know, a story that's meant to shock you about somebody's reaction. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he's just kind of like, conversations like uh, hearing about your art actually has has um has the miso kind of um those emotions kind of like uh infiltrated into your into your art honestly i don't think it has i mean i've been i've just always been a maker i just make stuff i can use pretty much any material um but i don't really think it's translated into it too much or at least i don't i'm unconscious of it um but yeah, I think uh, if anything in my art, I deal with a lot of um, just building your own worlds. Like right now, I'm making a bunch of miniature rooms, which oh, seems kind of yes, kind I of funny. Those. With I yeah. saw miniature rooms in uh, in, in Chicago Art Institute. Um, mm-hmm. I actually got a book on those. Um, yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, so I don't know. if Maybe it's just coming out of this time where we are all staying at oh, home yeah. and kind of yeah. creating new rooms to go visit. Because, I mean, how many places in my house can I hang out at? Um, so I think that, that always that idea and even being younger when I'm, you know, depressed or have anxiety or want to leave because of misophonia trigger is like having these escaped uh, imagined places, I suppose. Yeah, so... Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so during quarantine and lockdown, oh, how how has your misophonia changed, if it has at all? Um, I'd say it's about the same. I think um, I'm a big smoker too, but that's but that's actually gone down since I've been at home. I think when I'm out in the world, I'm way more triggered. But since being home, I've had a strange relief of kind of security also i I, you know everyday changes you don't know what's going to happen but also i'm kind of implementing that like take every day at a time and also knowing that i'm going to be at home is you know a routine and i think routines are really important especially for misophonias who who might have that kind of control issue yeah is your partner at home too with you yes he is um he's a high school teacher at the moment um so he's been dealing with that is not know, uh, that would not be an ideal job for a misophone yeah put that out yeah. there yeah oh yeah oh but i will say um my partner that i'm with zach he we've been together for four years now uh we were three years long distance but when we moved to rock hill this is the first time we've lived in a house together and one of the first things i said is we're having separate bedrooms mm, yeah okay okay and i it, he was totally cool with it he's fine we got this we got the perfect house we have separate bedrooms he's at the front of the house i'm at the back of the house um we have our own offices in our room so he's got his own he does all of his stuff in his room but i think that is like the most smartest thing for like a misophone or any kind of couple is just to have your separate spaces yeah, when um, I was young and cooler, uh, you know, I thought it was oh, open office loft, oh, not like open yeah. concept loft, just so yeah. hip and cool. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> that would probably be disaster. So now I have like a, you know, three stories plus a basement. Um, yeah, that vertical height is is big yeah. because if you get a nice thick floor, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's interesting. Any any other kind of like house architectural <laughs> tips that you have? <laughs> um, I. 
No, not really. I think just like, I'm so particular about all the items I have in the rooms I have. And this makes so much sense that I've been making these like little miniature room models. But I think just having your space, really, really making it yours is very comforting and it will make you feel safer. Yeah, lots of small rooms. I like that. Mm -hmm. And also, I think a lot of times the misophonia when you, when, you know, being triggered by the people you love and it could hurt their feelings. I think, you know, for them to have an escape too. Um, a lot of times when we love making food and especially being home now, we make homemade meals every night and we enjoy and love doing that. But I feel a little more comforted now because the anticipation of eating at a table is gone. We've established, I'm going to go to my bedroom or I'm going to go outside or, you know, we kind of eat separately, but make food together. And I think yeah. that's a, like a compromise in some ways. Yeah. That's really nice. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. I know some people are having a terrible time during lockdown, but uh, it's good to hear mm-hmm. those, those there. Yeah. There's, there's some good and bad. And there's, uh, exactly. That's, that's yeah. a good way to deal with meal times, I think. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, yeah, maybe we should start to kind of uh, wind down, but I kind of, uh, I know you've put a, uh, thought about this a lot uh, since January. I'm curious, are there any, kind of, uh, any other um, things you want to kind of tell people who are listening? Um, and obviously this being kind of your f- first or second time talking about misophonia um, mm-hmm. with, a, with a stranger. Yeah, any, anything you want to tell the, tell the audience? Uh, I know I thought about this so much of like, what's my sign off? But uh I just really, really want to tell anybody who's struggling, like, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you feel like you want to learn more about it, just talk to somebody with it or be open about your own experiences with it. I think it's really important to, to feel validated and make each other feel validated. Yeah, I will second that. Uh, a lot of us have gotten so good at bottling things up that we probably mm-hmm. don't even realize how kind of how mm-hmm. much of a relief it is to talk to somebody about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, nobody is normal. Nobody's normal. I mean, whatever you make your life, that's going to be normal for you, and that's okay. I think a lot of people feel like a freak or or they can't live in, you know, the world, but they can. You know, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, many of us are. making and, it happen. And our guests are a testament to that, too. So, um, yeah. yeah, well, uh, Maisie, Thank, thanks again for, for coming on. Thank it's good you. to finally talk to you. Thank and, you so uh, much. Yes. Thank you, Maisie. And thanks everyone for listening. You can email hello at misophoniapodcast.com with your thoughts or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Misophonia Podcast. We're on Twitter too at Misophonia Show. Don't forget to check out the MisoList at MisoList.com and music as always is by Moby. I hope you're having a great summer or if you're catching up on on this uh, later in the year, as always, I wish you peace and quiet.